Now, <clears throat> I need a big show of hands. How many of you have ever, how many of you ever worked on like a big project, but felt like it took forever and you were never going to finish? Like you were constantly working on it and it just felt like it was constant and never ending. That would be a decent description of <clears throat> our garage. <clears throat> We've had no less than, in four years here, no less than four, five, six all-day events to get our garage together. And it's still scary in there. I'm just gonna be honest with you. And some, there's a cat that lives in there somewhere now, and I can't, nobody can find it. But anyway, um, it can be incredibly frustrating when you have a, a major project that you're working on and never finish it. You, we all like to get to a point of completing or to, to finish. We like to see things done, all right? For all of my type A people in there, you love to check the box and say the thing is over with. We all love that feeling, experience, and emotion. Uh, last year during the quarantine, uh, there was a lot of extra time uh, a lot of people got into different projects. Some of you got pets, for better or for worse. But you, we all had different things that we wanted to fill up our time with. So uh, in our house, uh, we are low-key wannabe farmers. And so we have, we have a dog, we have a cat, we have 14 chickens. If we could have goats and it wasn't illegal, we would have goats. Because um, I know you're thinking, well, do you live on a piece of land? No, we live like eight minutes that way. And, um, but we, we, we would love to be farmers, and so we just have created our little farm. But the one thing that was missing was a garden. We don't have a garden, and uh, something that my wife loved to be able to do, she did it with her grandmother growing up gardening, and so we decided we're gonna build a garden in our backyard. And so we mapped the whole thing out. We went and got all the supplies, and, and we had, you know, by the grace of God, we had extra hands for helping because none of our kids were doing school. So we were, we were putting all the things together, and... Um, it, and it, it really turned into, a, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be honest, it, it turned out incredible. Um, <clears throat> but we did, I mean, we, put, we did these four, it, four different planter boxes that were all like 20 inches high. And, and then, you know, there's this table at the back where you can do potting and stuff. And there's, you know, it's got this thing for tools. And then, you know, we did this huge fence around it. And then you put the chicken coop in because you're trying to keep all the critters and the varmints out. And then we, we found an a, a antique door and we sliced it in half and turned it. And that's the now gateway into this thing. And then we put this huge arbor in front where the flowers could grow up over it. I mean, and we just like, and then we have like lights strung around it. It's kind of magical. You guys come on over. But it, it, it was this amazing thing. And we were able to kind of step back and look at this incredible project. We finally finished it. And I'm going, God, this thing is incredible. This is awesome. And then it just dawned on me. The work is just now starting. We hadn't done, I mean, we just got this thing. To, we, there's so much to do. There's all this planting and all this cultivating and pulling, we, all the things that have to happen in a garden. And it just, it felt like for a moment it was complete and you have this amazing finished product. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, there's a ton more work that's going on. A lot of incredible things. Church, this is who you are. This is who we are. Because it's the power of the grace of God that you and I right now are perfect and complete. 
The grace of God says this. If you're in Christ, you are perfect and complete. But hear this. At the same time, the work of God in you is just beginning, is just getting started. I don't care how far down the road you think you are. What God wants to do in you and through you is just getting started. And so there's this crazy paradigm that we get to see in the scripture of us being a little like the garden, totally perfect, totally finished, totally made ready, and yet so much to do, so, so far to go. That's where the Lord is moving. That's what's happening in this message is Paul sending this to the church. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, he's talking through all, he was talking through all the ways that the Spirit is gifting the church, the way that he's moving and shaping and doing things in the church. And then he's giving supernatural gifts to build the church up and to move the mission of the kingdom of God forward. But he comes back to this point in chapter 15 to say, but it's so, so critical that you remember that it's the grace and power of God that are at operation in you, that he's ready to move in you, that the power and the grace of God is fully transformed you right now. And yet you're also being transformed, that there is still so much more that God wants to do in us. That literally when you and I open up our hands to Jesus, When you and I come to that place where we receive Jesus, that we become completely and utterly something different, altogether, completely transformed, and we're being shaped and molded and pulled and lifted up from the beginning every day. And so the question is this. How can these two things exist? That's the question. How can I be totally and perfectly and completely transformed and also be being transformed day in and day out? How can, those, how can both of those things uh, happen at the same time? And he gets to answer this question for us. You go back to verse one. This is what the Holy Spirit says. So I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to this word that I preached to you, unless you just believed in vain. So you go, okay, wait. Now, in my mind, if I confess that I know that I'm broken, I am a sinner, that I am in need of Jesus, that I need a Savior to come and rescue me, and I bring that request to God, that he has promised that he will come and that then I receive him, his Holy Spirit, and I am totally saved. But here it says in verse two, he says, by which you are being saved. So am I already saved or am I being saved? And the answer is yes, all of it. Because here's what he's saying, is that there's a reality we're all living in, and we all feel this, right? That yes, you and I have been totally and completely saved and utterly transformed, but that we all know that we're not fully there yet. 
that there's work that's happening inside of each one of us, that we're walking through these days through ups and downs, through transformations, through sometimes it feels like three steps forward and two steps back, but there's this work that's happening where we're becoming more like Jesus. The big churchy word that they used to use uh, was called the word sanctification, that process where we yield to Jesus our lives and he comes in and he begins to mold and begins to chisel and we begin to take steps forward and move with him. This process of growth, this process of salvation, it's this critical thing that's happening in each one of us. But it's this unfinished thing that we often don't like. It's the wanting to be there and to have what feels like our lives in line with what God says, which is we've been fully transformed and yet we feel that unfinished thing where it feels like we're not quite there yet and we feel the weight of where we've fallen short and what Jesus wants to say to us is, listen, that day is coming, but right now what I'm asking for you to do is trust me that you're being saved each and every day, not because of how good you are, not because of how many great things you've done, not because of how much you serve or how much you give or do all the things, not, how, not because of how much harmony is in your home or how great your kids are. You're being saved simply because you trust me. Put your faith in me, walking with me. The way that God describes it here in the scripture is that you're being saved if you'll just hold fast meaning you like cling to Jesus and say, those days where I feel like I'm falling short, my heart and my aim is to trust you. Just put my trust in you. It doesn't seem like I'm going anywhere or at times it feels like I'm going backwards, but I wanna hold on to you. I wanna cling to you like there is no tomorrow. Why? Because we all have those days. We have those moments where it feels like we fall short. And it's on those days he asks us to cling to him. And this is what he's, his call is on our lives. Um, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I got to take my daughter. Uh, so for, for all of our children, when they're 10 years old, we got to take them on a trip and just do some in, intentional time to connect with them and to talk through some things of life. And so uh, my daughter is 10. She was actually about to turn 11, but... The pandemic had kind of messed up the plans. And so it was like, she's got like five days left before she's about to turn 11. Like, we got to get this 10-year-old trip in. So it was like, we're going to Dollywood because this is what we're doing. So I got my daughter and we went to Dollywood and she's just like, she's the, Elizabeth, she's the best. She just is excited about everything. And so we just, um, uh, we, we get in and immediately there's like a roller coaster right as you go in to the left. And so she's like, let's do this. So we just jump on there. She's so excited. And we, we get on the roller coaster and she comes off of it and she's like, I, I might feel sick. I don't know. Like she was like, that was a new experience. She had really not done roller coasters before. And so we're kind of walking through and she's like, Dad, I smell cotton candy. And I was like, yeah, there's a lot of it out in here. She's like, we got to move away from the cotton candy. She's just like trying to get through this. And so she's like, okay, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. We're going to do this other roller coaster. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure? She's like, sure. So we, uh, so we decide to get on this roller coaster together. And as we sit down, we're kind of, you know, they, the thing's clicking into place. 
And then she's like, no, dad, I can't, I can't do this. And I look up at the lady and I'm like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. And it was like, and we were like out and I'm like, oh God. She's like, like the, you know, and all of a sudden we're going on this thing and I look at her and her eyes are literally outside of her head. And so she's just going, okay. So she's now going, what are, what are we going to do? And so it's a, it's a great roller. It's an awesome roller coaster. And we're kind of going up and down. She's, and, but it's leaning over the side. She's like, ah. And so she, we get to what feels like is the end of the roller coaster. And it stops. And she's literally like yeah, trying to get out. She's like, oh, we're done. I'm like, no, it's not quite done yet. And she's like, what do you mean? And then, because uh, there's a last like 15 seconds of this ride that does everything backwards. <laughs> and so... We stop and it, it, it pretends like you're about to be set on fire. It's like, I can't remember. It's like the fire express something. I don't know. Anyway, if you go there, it's great. But <clears throat> so we're there and then we start to go backwards and she just, she grabs me and she's like, daddy. And we're just like, you know, we're going backwards now. And we're, and she's like, she's like holding, I've got her like this. And she's like holding on as like as, as much as she can. And then we finish and she's like, that was awesome. I don't want to do any more roller coasters at this. I don't. That is it. She was, she was done. So we did a lot of stuff at Dollywood the rest of the day. Roller coasters was not one of those things. Um, I don't know if you ever f feel like your life is on a roller coaster where you've got some ups and downs. It feels like something's maybe unsettled or things aren't quite safe. And I promise you, in those moments, there's a God of the universe who sees you and is with you and wants to meet you in that moment when it feels like the bottom is dropping out. What the scripture is going to say is that the grace of God is right there with you, no matter how high your high is or how low your low is. And what Paul is saying here in this scripture is the most critical thing about the grace of God is that when you're going in it and through it, you cling to Jesus like my daughter did to my arm in that moment. And I loved, I abs I'm going to tell you something as, a, as her father, I was so thrilled in my heart that as this thing is about to go backwards, that her thought was, dad, you got to do something about this, right? I love that that was it. She wasn't like trying, she just was holding on to me like, dad, you got, and of course, the truth is, is if this thing went sideways, it, we're in trouble because I can't do anything about this, right? But this is what makes God, God. He's got all of this. And there at times is a bill of goods sold in churches where it says, well, if you come to Jesus, all the hard stuff goes away. And that's what the grace of God is. Church, that's actually not true. The truth is when you come into the grace of God, it's the power of God to walk with you through every high and every low. That's the grace of God. And he's there for it. And he's looking for sons and daughters that'll just grab onto him. And say, Lord, we're going through this thing, but I'm just going to trust you. And I don't even know, you might even be like, I don't even know how to do that. This is that moment to begin to open up our hands and say, God, would you teach me what it looks like to lean into you?
to trust you through this business deal or to trust you through this issue in our home or to trust you with this thing with our business or whatever the case may be, but to trust you. And it's in the, hear this, it's in those moments that God's producing deep, deep faith to trust Jesus for more. When you and I have fallen short or when you and I are going through what feels like the darkness or when you and I are coming up against things where fear wants to rise up and try to take control of our mindset, that's the moment where Jesus is ready for us to reach to him and for him to begin to produce deep, rich, abiding faith in him. That's what's happening. We don't like the ups and downs, so to speak, but hear this, God is using those on purpose to produce something richer and deeper in you and I. That's why he says there's a, if there's a moment uh, where Jesus is in Luke chapter seven and Jesus is sitting at a Pharisee's house and he's sitting there with him and then out of, the, out of nowhere, uh, a, a sinful woman, we, we know her, at least the scripture knows her to be one who had been struggling with deep sin. She comes in, she's weeping. And she's crying and she's, she's, cry, she's at the feet of Jesus and she's weeping and she's washing his feet with her hair. It's a sign of reverence for who Jesus is and she's anointing his feet and she's doing this before him and Simon the Pharisee is so indignant that this uh, sinful, what would have been known as a prostitute woman is coming into his home invading his space and doing this. And he goes, if Jesus were, and he's thinking this in his mind, if Jesus were actually a prophet, he would absolutely know who this woman was and that she has no business being in his presence, no business, if he was truly a prophet. And I love Jesus by the Holy Spirit. He knows exactly what this Pharisee is thinking. And he just says, hey, Simon, I want to tell you something. And he just tells this story. He says, there's two guys. One owes 50 bucks. Another owes 500 bucks to a, to, to a landlord. And he says, the landlord says, you know what? I'm going to forgive both of your debts. I'm going to take care of this for you. And he says, he says, Simon, this Pharisee, which one of those guys do you think loved more? Loved this man more? And he says, well, I suppose the one that got the greater debt forgiven. And he said, you're exactly right. And then he points to this woman and he says, you know what? This woman who's gone through this hardship, we have no idea what's going on through her life. You know, it's easy to judge. It's easy. You want to say, how dare you be going through what you're going through? In fact, I guarantee you often he will hear that argument. How dare you be struggling through this? How dare you be struggling with that? How dare you be walking through this season? Where's your faith? All of those kinds of things that are being spoken to. And what Jesus says is this woman, when I came in, he says, you offered me no drink. She's, she's been wetting my feet with her hair. You offered me no anointing. She's been anointing me from the get-go. You offered me no kiss. She's been kissing my feet from the beginning. And he says, and, and he says that, he says, those who are forgiven much, love much. He says, those who go through the ringer have a deep, deep sense that God's working and their need for him. And they'll reach out to him. And he says, I want you to, and then he says, listen, daughter, go and sin no more. You, your faith has saved you. 
This is what Jesus wants to point to is those moments where we feel like we're falling short. Those moments in which we have missed the mark and want to give up or feel like we wish that it was just all taken care of and made easy. And what Jesus is saying, I have purpose and design through the valley you're walking through. And that can sound cute. You can put that on a plaque. But the truth is, is we've all been through moments where we're tempted to think that Jesus is nowhere to be found. And the truth is, the power and the grace of God is right there with us. Never leave us, never forsake us to walk with us through the darkness. To, to transform us in those moments to deepen our faith and our leaning into him and the holding on to him. That is the totality of our lives. And we have to stop seeing this not quite finished yet portion of our lives where we wish everything was cleaner and nicer and we had more things figured out and we had all the things lined up. We have to move past that to begin to say, Jesus, this is the moment that you're calling me to hold on to you in a deeper way in a stronger way. And so the question is this, how do we walk through seasons where things don't feel like they're lined up or we're struggling through something? We're really wrestling. Maybe it's habitual sin or there's relational strife. How do we begin to walk through that where we feel and we know without question, we're not really finished yet and God's got us in process. What do we do in that moment? And I love what Paul says here. Look at verse nine. Here's how Paul says it. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it wasn't I. It just was the grace of God that was with me. Paul knew the radical, transforming grace of God on his life, and he was holding on. You know the why he said, you guys hold on? Because Paul knew he had lived a life in which he needed to hold on to the grace of God. Because here's what the enemy said. The enemy would say this, Paul, you're a murderer and you have no business doing what you're doing. Your life's a mess. Your life's forfeit. You don't deserve. He, could, he was literally saying the argument out loud. But then what does he say? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. What he's saying is this, I was a murderer. Now I'm an apostle. That's who I am. That's what I was but I'm not that anymore. You wanna know how you and I walk through the valley and the ups and downs and the trials and then difficulties is when we stand up under our God-given identity as sons and daughters. And we say, this is who I am. I was angry, now I'm full of mercy. I was in fear, now I am in confidence. I was hurt, now I've been made alive. This is who we were, 
before Jesus, but in Christ, I've been totally transformed and made new. The key to, for us to being able to walk through those ups and downs in those valleys is to be able to see our God-given identity. Sons and daughters, to be able to walk through with confidence that we embrace the fact that every one of us is being chiseled on and that today, because of Jesus, I've been made perfect. And that's what I wanna live out of and function out of and walk out of. Second Corinthians says it this way, verse, uh, chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. It's time to embrace being new creations and no longer sitting in the past in our broken areas, but moving towards Jesus into what he's called us to be. It can be really hard uh, to make sense of those days where we feel like we're not finished. But I'm telling you, this is the point and purpose of them all is that we lean into Jesus and ask him to remind us of what he's actually done. I know you'll, uh, you'll find this hard to believe, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker, yeah. So I, I feel like the elders are piping up way too much. <laughs> uh, I had days where I can be so selfish and impatient and angry. I, just, I have those days. My family's seen it front. I've had to ask them to forgive me many times. And I, I, I can act in ways that I honestly will feel embarrassed. I don't know if you've ever been there before. And what I'm learning more and more in those moments is what God wants from me is with humility to come to him and cling to him and reach for him and to say, God, I blew it, I messed up, I've fallen short and I need you today and to get to go to those that I've hurt and wounded and do the same thing and just to be able to say, I need God's grace and I need him to wash me and make me new and give me fresh vision and here, this, there's this weird thing is that I have yet to approach God and for him to go, no, sorry, not this time. Every time, every time I'm willing to make that exchange, he'll come. He just come. Anytime, any amount of brokenness, any area of sin, any amount of sadness or anxiety or fear or worries or doubts or whatever your thing might be. He's just looking for kids on a roller coaster to grab him and say, dad, shape me, walk with me, lead me, hold me, deepen my faith. So whatever amount of grace you need, I can guarantee you this, it is there for you. Whatever grace you feel like you need. If you're looking at, if you're looking at the totality of your life and going, man, you don't even, pastor, you don't even know about me. Guess what? Whatever mountain you're bringing, there's an inexhaustible amount of grace for you. I don't know if you've ever, you guys, there's so many amazing rivers and 
waterfalls around here. I'm from West Texas. There's no water. There's, I mean, like the, when you turn the faucet on, that's kind of a waterfall. It's a little, it comes out down, vertical water. But here there's rivers. I don't know if you've been to some of these amazing rivers. I want you to imagine being able to go to a river and being so incredibly thirsty, being able to go to a river and just drink and drink and drink and drink and to be fully satisfied. How much have you made a dent in that river? Not one iota. You hadn't dented that river at all. This is the inexhaustible grace of Jesus, period. You just come to him and let him wash over you. Pastor, are you just saying that we, should we just come after the grace of God? We don't ever have to worry about it. Let me tell you something. When you come into an encounter with the grace of God, it transforms and changes you. You have to worry about all the transformation that God wants to do and the ways that he wants to call us up and out of lifestyles of sin and brokenness and into new patterns. But it comes when we get un- under the weight of the sea, the ocean, the vast ocean of the grace of God. That's where it starts. And so that's what we're called to do. It's inexhaustible. If you're sad, come and get his heart for you. If you're angry, come drink mercy. If you're guilty, 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 come get forgiveness. Come, but just, but don't stay off in the distance. Come. I like the way he puts it. I love the way Isaiah says it. Isaiah 51. Here's, here's how the prophet says it. It says, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now, I ask you this question. How do you buy something when you don't have any money? You buy it because it's already been purchased for you. You bring your nothingness. He's literally saying, you bring your empty hands to me and I'll pour out on you everything that you need. There's no amount. In fact, our emptiness is the currency for the grace of God, bringing it to him. That's the point. That's what Isaiah is saying here. How do you buy something when you don't have money? You you get it from someone who's already bought it for you. That's who our father is. That's what he wants. That's the kind of relationship that he wants with us, to be real and open and authentic and honest with him and then ask him to do his work of transformation, to not stay put, but just say, God, keep moving us forward. But you can't stand still. And that's why I love what he's saying here. He says, you're being saved every day by the grace of Jesus. If you'll just It says, if you'll hold on to, hold fast is the word there. Meaning, it just doesn't come to those who won't ask. You just got, it come, you can't just passively, you gotta say, God, I need it. You gotta say, come to him and ask for it. Looking for that partnership with you and I. He's ready to do the interaction. He's ready to say, come and get, raise your hands, lift your voices, bow, but come and ask and I have it for you in, in abundance for you. And so that's what he would call is to say, will you bring your emptiness and come and receive? I'm gonna ask our team to come up, finish out this morning. Would you guys, uh, in fact, would y'all just go ahead and stand with me? We're just gonna.
You might just be in a moment where you feel like I'm, I'm doing okay. And it's just a, a moment that we get to move from just I'm doing okay to just saying, God, in what ways do you want to move me to thriving? I don't have any big stuff going on. We're, we're doing okay. Let's move from doing okay to thriving under the grace, the powerful grace of God. But more than likely you're here and there's things that are pressing on you. Could be the voice of the enemy trying to tell you you aren't worthy. You don't have what it takes. You're not enough. You've messed this up too many times. You've blown this too many times. And the voice of the Father is ready to overpower and crush the voice of the enemy and to speak to you. And we're gonna give him just a moment to do that. And there are some of you here that are just going like, God, I need so much grace. It feels like it's an ocean. And I don't feel worthy or deserving of it, but I know I'm in need. And we get this beautiful moment just to open up our hands because the Lord's ready to pour it out. That's what he wants to do. So would you just do this for a moment? If you feel comfortable, you just put your hands out to receive whatever it is that you need. You don't have to do this, um, but we like to position our bodies to help get our heart, mind, spirit lined up with what God wants to do. Would you just ask him? Whatever it is that you need here in this moment from the radical grace of God, would you just ask him? The inexhaustible river the grace of God. you're here and you have never asked Jesus to take the weight of guilt and shame off of your shoulders and to put it on him and to give you new life I want to encourage you just to reach out to him in this moment you can even tell him I don't even know what to do or what to say but I know that I need you and I can't do this on my own just be honest with him If you're here, would you just make that fresh exchange? Just receive the grace of God right now, fresh and new over you. Washing you from head to toe. If there's a place of sin that is pressing you down, would you just tell the Lord about that right now? Just be honest with Him. 
Here's my shortcoming, Lord. I'm just bringing that to you. Can I have your grace to cover me and wash me, make me whole? And then finally, before we worship, I just, there's some of you that have your, there's some brand new stuff happening. Things in front of you, maybe it feels like an uphill battle or even just a, a mountain. Or you might even just feel a little overwhelmed. Would you just receive the grace of God to walk with Him, to listen to Him, to hold on to Him? Father, just across the room, we receive your fresh grace. And we now stand in our new identity as sons and daughters. Just receive that. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. If you call on the name of Jesus, you've been given a new identity. So just be a son right now with your father, your dad, who's covering you. Be a daughter who's totally and fully covering you. rest in that identity. God, would you give us grace now to be a people who walk with you and listen to your voice above every other voice, who walk with your grace washing over us, releasing us into new life and new vitality, new identity, new hunger for you, new trust in you through the valley. That's what you do. It's who you are. And I thank you, God, for that. We love you and we bless you. We thank you for this moment. Let's worship together.